The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Talking Halos, Derek C. Apollo, all by my lonesome tonight as we get prepared for the 2021 season to open up tomorrow. Tomorrow night, the White Sox visit the Angels. We'll be on tap. We've got our guys standing by and deliver podcasts all through the weekend as well as part, as part of our big marathon. Join us. Listen in. We really appreciate all the time you spend checking us out, checking our content out. We really appreciate it. All right. Before we get there. Here's a word for our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For our first guest tonight, Chris Brown. He hosts the Tires SRD podcast, also writes at Motor City Bengals. Chris Brown has been on our show a couple times, once a couple years ago for our Tigers preview, a series preview. That was actually one of those series that we would like to forget. And also, he was part of our tour league last year. So here he is, Chris Brown, giving us the, pe- the preview on the Detroit Tigers. All right, folks, I'm with Chris Brown from the Tigers SRD podcast. Also just told me he writes for the Motor City Bengals site for fan-sided 
covering the t- covering the tires. And you were doing minor league stuff too last year. Are you still working on that? Uh, yeah, to a certain degree. We had the, the Tigers minor league report was the site that we started. And then it kind of branched off. A bunch of the guys who were doing that are now with Prospect Live. And I helped, uh, I helped with the Detroit Tigers Prospects Live, like Prospect List. But then I kind of just, uh, it was a bit too much for me <laughs> to be doing. They, they, they had it, you know, everybody was going to take on like five or six different teams. And I don't know, I just uh, wasn't with it. But, uh, you know, we're still doing you know, a fair amount of minor league coverage at Motor City Bengals now. Just not uh, a specific site for it anymore. Yeah, and I mean right away, I, the immediate question I have for you with the 2021 Tigers is the hiring of AJ Finn, uh, AJ Hinch. That's where I would go, Finch. It's weird, Hinch. Um, after his, uh, shall I say, shenanigans, quote unquote, yep. in Houston, um, were there any concerns about hiring him as your manager? Uh, I think among Tigers fans, that there's certainly a, a certain contingent of people who think he's a cheater and don't want anything to do with him. And, but I, I would say that that's probably a pretty small minority. I think most Tigers fans uh, either, either either don't care or feel like he he served his penalty. You know, he was suspended for a year. It was a, the strangest year, but uh, he was suspended for a year. And they're just kind of excited to, to have a modern baseball coach again and, and hoping that he can help you know, bring some of the good stuff that the Astros did here to Detroit. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's any concern that he's gonna, you know, set up a a new cheating ring or anything like that. It, it, it sounds like from everything that came out that he wasn't particularly involved in the Astros cheating uh, scandal. Uh, he just didn't do enough to stop it. Well, with this team as it is, last time we talked, you kind of earmarked maybe a four to five year rebuild. Has that changed? In the last year, or do you see more of a light in the tunnel now? Uh, it's still really hard. Like, there's some signs of life. There's some. The roster is getting better at the margins. Like at the very end, like their 40 man roster. Some of the guys they got rid of, they've replaced them with better people. Some of the guys they got rid of, you know, they they designated ended up getting picked up by other teams, which wasn't the case a year ago. And we started to see some signs from their top prospects. They're they're getting close to being ready. So there's there's definitely a little a bit more optimism in that regard. But there's still a whole huge you know question about will this front office are, are they competent enough to then surround the young players with uh, decent major league players? Will the ownership spend money? We these are things that we just don't know. They just they signed Robbie Grossman this offseason to a two-year, $10 million deal. It was their first multi-year deal since 2016. So it just it's kind of hard to know what this front office is, though. When you're looking at, for example, guys like Miguel Carrera, you know, where do you see him right now, considering you know, where, he's, where he's been? <laughs> well, I mean, it is, it's, it's that sad part of a legend's career where he's just not nearly the guy he once was. He still is an incredibly intelligent and gifted hitter. He just hit a, he hit a three-run homer the opposite way today. Uh, you still see the flashes of, of what made him so great. It's just, you know, much more rare these days. Uh, and he's going to actually, he's playing the field 
they're going to play him a bunch at first base after they decided not to do that a couple years ago because of his knees. Uh, so it's it's kind of iffy there. You know, the hope is that he can stay healthy and, and produce. And you never know. I mean, sometimes guys like him, they have one last great year. And in, in his case, it would be like, I don't know, 25 to 30 home runs and hitting 300 again. It just seems unlikely. He seems more likely to be like a 260, 15 home run guy. Although he, he kind of had a bit of a power surge last year. But, yeah, he's he's not he's not the lineup cornerstone he once was. And he's, he's, he's not quite a pure anchor yet. But you could see it going that way fairly soon, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, we know a thing or two about pure anchors. Um, yeah. Pujols has been one for a while now. And, you know, he's got his defenders. And, you know, we, we it's almost weird because... You know, as an angel, he had a solid career, not great, and you know he, he did bring some good days to be an angel fan. But now at this point in his career, most people are like, "Okay, get him off the roster. Can't wait he's gone. Can't wait till he's gone." Is it approaching that in Detroit? It's not quite there. There, there are there's uh, there's some fans who you know really want him off the books. Obviously, I think he's he's. I think he's owed $30 million for the next three seasons. So, I mean, it's going to get even uglier. Um, but I, I, there's still enough people who just, you know, I guess the opposite, not necessarily the opposite, but, but Tigers fans got Miguel Cabrera in his absolute prime. You know, the, the back-to-back MVPs, the triple crown year. They, mm-hmm. That was the best Miguel Cabrera. And, and Angels fans didn't quite get that. They, I think Pujols was still prime Pujols for a season or two. But then it was just kind of the, the the decline phase, and so I can understand why people are a little bit more uh, eager to get rid of him. I, I think Tigers fans are a little bit more forgiving because they saw so so much good from Cabrera. But there's definitely, you know, it's it's that element of, of kind of watching a loved one slowly wither away. You're like, oh man, it's more sad than anger. I mean, yeah, looking down the years, you talk about in terms of his home run numbers from. 2008, 37, 34, 38, 30, 44, 44, 25 in 2014, slows down a little bit in 2015, 18, but then 38 in 2016. And then it all kind of just dives off. Two four, hits 249 the next year. And you can kind of see very clearly in his numbers where things went wrong. But then you see, again, those are those numbers from 2008 down through you know, 2016. And I mean, that's. That's a heck of a career right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's that's he and Pujols are two of the best right-handed hitters of all time. It, it, it's it's it just it sucks to see them in the state that they are now, knowing how great they were in their prime. Um, they are kind of a, a very comparable, I think. You know, and probably like you're talking about Pujols a year or two. He didn't really even have that. Like you can see in his stats, the year before he came to the Angels, you could already see slippage. You saw it coming. And that's what frustrates, I think, many fans is like hindsight being 2020, um, you can definitely see where there was a problem. But the Tigers got Cabrera in his prime, put all those great years in. And, you know, do you think he's a Hall of Famer? I think so, yeah. I mean, his numbers uh, are pretty – I mean, he's he's going to get to 500 home runs this season most likely, and he's got a good chance to get to 3,000 hits. Uh, this year too, and I think there are what fewer than a dozen guys who've done that. Pujols being one of them, 
Um, but you know, you, so he would have the, the traditional benchmarks. His WAR is pretty much about where you know, expect the Hall of Fame. You know, I think it's sixty-five to seventy-five range. And he's got get the World Series ring when he was younger, and he's got the MVPs and the Triple Crown. I, I think he's a Hall of Famer for sure. So what about the rest of this roster here? I mean, it's it's a younger team. Like you said, they they're actually improving the roster now. Uh, where do you see that? Well, let's, let's start with the, with the lineup itself. Where are the strengths of the lineup? Where are the weaknesses of the lineup right now? Well, yeah, they don't really have. I, I don't know if they have any true like plus hitter, like a guy who's just a, a well above average offensive player. But they've added some really interesting. Like I mentioned Robbie Grossman. He, he had kind of a breakout last year with Oakland, and it's tough to know if it was for real or not. You know, it's just a short season, but he suddenly started hitting for power. But uh, you know, they're hoping he continue that. But he's always been a solid on base guy. That's uh, just something they've been desperate for for hitters who do have professional at-bats mm-hmm. because they were last in the league in strikeouts last year and I think also last in taking walks. It's it just, you know, this horrible windmill of a lineup. Um, so they've added they've added a little, you know, some veterans. Wilson Ramos, who, uh, you know, he's a pretty solid offensive catcher. He's not a good defensive catcher at all. He's even having trouble catching the ball this spring. Um, but they added, uh, added Grossman. They've added Nomar Mazzara. I don't know how long that's going to last. Uh, presumably, you know, they, they like to... You know, he's so young still. He's only 25. They're hoping that maybe he can figure things out, but I, I don't know. I think he's a guy who's got tremendous power, but he just hits the ball on the ground, and that's just who he's going to be, I think. But, they've, you know, they added some veteran hitters. They've got... Uh, Jamer Candelario was probably their team MVP last year. Uh, he seemed to be figuring some things out, and so that could give him another quality hitter in the lineup. Willie Castro was kind of a revelation for them. He got very, very lucky on balls in play last year. I think his BABIP was like 450, 440 or something like that. But he is an interesting uh, you know, middle infielder with some surprising power. Uh, another guy who's he's not going to work the count very much, but he's, he seems to be one of those guys who's just got a knack for making solid contact. And, and all, you know, uh, Grossman, Canelario, and Castro are all switch hitters. So I think that's going to give AJ Hinch a little bit of uh, flexibility. And, you know, stacking lineup certain ways, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they're just uh, there's not a whole lot to be scared of here. They brought in Renato Nunez. People thought he was going to be the first baseman, but he didn't make the club. He cool. uh, instead they carried two. They carried two super utility men, um, and part of that is because they they took a Rule Five pick this year, and he's been kind of the story of Tigers camp. Uh, his name's Akil Badu. Mm-hmm. He was. He was in A ball for the Twins in 2019. High A, he played about 29 games in high A, and then he hurt his arm. You know, had to get Tommy John surgery. So that's that was the highest level he's played at. Never been to Double A. Missed all of the, the remainder of 2019. Missed all of last year, of course, because of uh, you know he was in the minors with COVID. And they took him. It was just kind of a a long shot, but uh, he's he's been fantastic this spring. The, he leads the team with five home runs. I think he's got four or five stolen bases. He leads the team in walks. He's consistently having good at bats. He, he does not look like a kid who's never been to Double A. Now, I think most people expect him to struggle like crazy in the majors, just because it's a huge leap. But him doing that kind of it didn't force them to take five outfielders, but now they've kept five outfielders, and eventually uh, Renato Nunez, who who's a guy who had thirty home runs two years ago, is sort of the odd man out. But he did agree to go to the alternate site, so they may see him soon enough. But uh, yeah, I mean, the rest of the outfield, you, you've got Victor Reyes and Jacoby Jones, and uh, I mentioned Mazzara and Grossman. 
it's not it's nothing special I'll, I'll say that so I guess uh, just kind of holding out hope that uh, Akil Badu is a once in a gener- generation player now what about the the pitching staff right now so the, the pitching staff is, is kind of interesting. They addressed it in the offseason. I think a lot of teams are, are going to be scrambling this year to figure out how many, you know, how to take on another 800 or so innings or whatever. You know, going from 60 games to 160 games is, is a ton, a huge jump. So the Tigers they uh, they brought in Jose Urania, who was a uh, you know starter for the Marlins, decent year or two down there. Uh, back then, his pitching coach was Juan Nieves, who's now the Tigers assistant pitching coach, so there's a connection there. And then they bought on uh, Julio Tehran, who I think Angels fans yeah, familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, unfortunately, as this seems to be the case with a lot of seasons with the Angels pitchers, you just got Tehran at the wrong time. I think he was injured and sick and, you know, was awful last year. There's no debate that he was awful, but he's looked really solid this spring. He's throwing harder. He seems to have tons of movement on his pitches, and I think he talked about he uh, his shoulder. He it was too tight, basically, or something like that. You know, he's worked he worked all off season to get more loose, and uh, it seems to have paid off. But so he's a he's another solid back of the rotation piece. He made the team, uh, and then both the exciting young rookie pitchers, uh, Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal, made the team. And they. Uh, they both got roughed up a little bit in their debuts last year, uh, but uh, they both showed flashes too. And and it's been kind of the same way this spring. Scoople has been really dominant in most of his outings. Uh, he just his issue uh, has has been uh, you know walking. He, he gets himself into deep counts too often. I'm trying to think of remember the, the the southpaw for the Angels who who was kind of like that and eventually got traded to the Braves. I forgot his name. Well, guess what? So do I. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, he was yeah, he was a first, he was a first round pick. Um, he reminds me of that that guy that neither of us can remember. But uh, but yeah, he's 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 a lefty with mid nineties fastball. It's got the high spin. He's got a great angle. It's all the, the nasty stuff that that people are looking for now. And he's got three really solid secondary offerings. So there'll be times when Tarek Skubal goes out there and just carves carves through people. But he's going to fight his command a lot this year, I think. And and Casey Mize, you know, the number one overall pick in twenty eighteen. He got beat up pretty good in the majors last year, and he did not look like the guy that he was promised to be. Now, I don't think anybody ever thought he was going to be like a Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Steven Strasburg, mm-hmm. you know, true t- top of the rotation ace. But he was kind of billed as this guy with you know, borderline elite command and, and uh, you know, very ready for the majors. And that just wasn't the case. He, he he's had trouble locating uh, and. It bites him, but uh, this spring he's actually out. His fastball's up two or three miles an hour, so he's sitting like ninety-six miles an hour now. And he's just—he's got really nasty stuff. He's got a, a plus cutter, the splitter would be plus at times. He's got a slurve. Uh, he just needs to learn how to pitch. I think we kind of Tigers fans kind of compared him a little bit to to Max Scherzer when he first started. Max Scherzer always had nasty stuff when he was with the Diamondbacks and early on with the Tigers, but he just didn't quite know how to pitch yet. And uh, he got there. There'd be these games where he'd randomly give up, like you know, eight runs in three innings, and just didn't make any sense. And that's kind of been the way it's been for Casey Mize. He he had a couple of really rough outings this spring, and then his last outing, he just looked spectacular. He struck out eight in four innings, uh, just carved through a pretty talented young Blue Jays uh, lineup. So there's some excitement there. Those those two guys probably the most exciting players on the team at this point. Uh, if you don't count Akil Badu, 
Um, and then you got the, the veteran uh, Matthew Boyd is, is still there. He had two months two years ago that made him look like uh, a legit mid-rotation starter, and uh, the rest of his career he's looked like a back-end guy. And and then there was Spencer Turnbull was was kind of going to be was likely going to be their opening day starter, but it seems as though he's come down with COVID nineteen. That they're not confirming it, but he's you know they said he's in the COVID protocol and he's going to be out for several weeks. So I don't think that happens if you've just been exposed. And then we learned today that the Tigers' pitching coach Chris Fetter <laughs> came down with COVID. So it's just going to be another one of these annoying years, man. I, I hate I hate pandemic sports. But at least we have sports. I mean, yeah, let's be it's honest. better than nothing, but it, it, it yeah. is, it, and, you know, as a, a Michigan basketball fan, I'm, I'm rather enjoying this college basketball season, but I did not enjoy the college football season, I'll tell you that, and I'm going to blame the pandemic and not the terrible state of the program. But uh, Oh, come yeah, on. You know full know. well they should want to play Ohio State. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. They didn't want to take on Ohio State. I, I think uh, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh is a lot of things, but I don't think he's afraid to get uh, destroyed. Well, he would have been, but that's beside the point. But, <laughs> no, they, it, would have, it would have been an absolute debacle. Uh, I mean, Michigan was absolutely awful this year, and, and I don't expect things to get turned around under him, but that's neither here nor there. I'm just... Uh, I used to believe he was the guy, by the way. I used to think he was the guy. I used to think he was the guy for Michigan. No, absolutely. Everybody did. I mean, it, he, he, was, he seemed like such a great coach there at, at Stanford, and then with the 49ers, and it seemed like it was foolproof. And then, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. I, like, people say the same thing about Scott Frost at Nebraska. It's like, what, what could go wrong? And then seemingly things have gone wrong. And, and I don't know. You, never, you can never tell. That's one thing I've learned as a fan of sports is, is it, things can always get worse. They can, yes, absolutely. And, and um, in Michigan's case, it just keeps getting worse, at least for football. For basketball, what a team this year. Good job this year. Okay, so... Overall, looking at this this Tigers team, looking at the division, I mean, can they get out of last place? Do they have a shot fourth or even third place? Uh, I right now I projecting them to be last place. Um, you never know with injuries and COVID and all that stuff what what might happen. But the Royals did a good job to get better this year. The uh, you know, Cleveland still has that really good rotation, and they still have Jose Ramirez. Uh, They've added a couple pieces, and the White Sox and the Twins are, you know, probably ninety-one teams. So, yeah, it's gonna be really hard for the Tigers to climb out of the basement. I do think that they're gonna be better, or a little bit more pesky this year. They might be kind of that annoying team that you feel like you should beat, but they just keep hanging in there. I've kind of got this image in my head of them hanging around five hundred until early June, and then things just kind of falling apart as the season wears on. Um, but you know, I think the Vegas line on them is 69 wins, 69 and a half, 68, something like that. And I think that's about right. I think they might win 70 games this year, which is a, an improvement of like six or seven games for them. So it's a start, I suppose. Do you see, do you still see hope? Though? I mean, I, like you seemed a lot, br- honestly, you seemed a lot brighter when talking about the Tigers last year, when we, when we caught up this year, you seem a bit more. I think the I, the word seems resigned to the fate the, their fate this year. Is it, I mean, what's what's the truth about the Tigers? I actually feel a little bit more. Um, I feel a little bit more optimistic about their chances in the future than I used to. Uh, that they've, you know, they, they've got 
five really solid, like top fifty type prospects who should all reach the majors, if not this year, within the next year and a half. And you know, you know how it works. Maybe two of them will turn out, and maybe the third will be decent. But it's it's a decent start, and they're just kind of hoping that they've got the right people in place now to, I guess, for lack of a better term, coach up the talent that they already have. I just, you know, it feels a lot more like a Cincinnati Reds rebuild than the sort of hopeful Cubs Astros rebuild that everybody seems to think is is what you do. You tear down and you rebuild like them and you win a championship. And it's just like, that's not this one. I don't think they, they've not done, they've done a good job at the top of the draft. And that's basically it. They haven't gotten a ton of talent in trades. They, they basically blew the Verlander trade and the J.D. Martinez trade. They just, you know, didn't get much. They didn't get a whole lot uh, for Justin Upton and Ian Kinsler when they traded him to the Angels. And, you know, so that's like four All-Stars gone for not not much. And so, and they just, they haven't done a good job on the international market. They've been spending more money and getting some more excited players the last two or three years, but those guys take six, seven years to get to the majors usually. So, yeah, it just, it, it feels like they're not doing quite enough. They're not quite creative enough to, to really make sure that this is going to work. I'm just, just kind of holding out hope that, that the prospects all kind of pan out. Oh. But, but I mean, down the road here, you just mentioned a five in the top 50. That's that solid stuff right there. If they can crank the rest of the player development up in the lower res of the draft, then maybe you got something. I mean, so that's, that's how I kind of see it. I, I, I don't, you know, I, I've gotten tired of seeing franchises like the Tigers, the Pirates, like a, they each made their resurgence for a few years, and then they went back to the toilet. And I'm like, these are these are legacy franchises. And I, you know, the Angels have only been around for, you know, this is what, season 60 for them, just about. And you know, I wouldn't consider them to be a legacy franchise. One with the, the crazy history of the Tigers and the Pirates and these, some of these teams do. But I get tired of seeing those legacy franchises struggle. They, they should be, I mean, that's to me, that's baseball. When, you, when the Tigers are competing for something, it's baseball. When the Pirates are competing for something, it's baseball. This is the good stuff. And it's annoying to me to see some of these teams that have been in the toilet for a while. Yeah, no, and it's definitely annoying for, for Tigers fans. You know, they had they had it good for close to a decade there. I mean, it was it was pretty rough, and then in the mid-2000s, they, they you know, hit on some draft picks, Kurt, Curtis Granderson, mm-hmm. Justin Verlander, Joel Zamaya, and then they got some big free agent signings uh, with Maglio Ordonez and Ivan Rodriguez, and they Dave Dombrowski was great at making trades, and so they got a lot of talent in trades, Miguel Cabrera among them. And yeah, they were able to compete for, for close to a decade. They never got quite over the hump, uh, but their owner at the time, Mike Illich, very much loved star players and was happy to open the checkbook and give them whatever they wanted. And so it, it was kind of, for a couple of years there, it was like, yeah, we'll go get him. You know, we'll go get V-Mart. We'll go get Upton. We'll go get uh, <laughs> go get uh, Prince Fielder. And uh, it just eventually that the payroll got to be, I guess, too much for them to handle. And then Michaelis died and his son does not seem nearly as willing to spend money. But again, we don't really know because they've just been doing this teardown, this protracted teardown for four years now. And, uh, you know, they, I'm sure that they're using a pandemic as a reason to not spend money this last year. 
and everybody in, in Detroit is hoping that they're going to be in on some of the big shortstops next offseason. But, you know, I think there are probably about 30 teams that, are, that hope they're going to be in those shortstops. So there's no guarantee that they can spend money next year either. And it, it's That's the thing that that's, I'm most wary about. Is I, I just don't know what ownership is willing to invest to make this uh, a winning team. And that's, you know, that's a heck of a point because like, I can see teams like the Indians who develop players like crazy, you know, built a solid organization but never been freed by Dolan down there to spend money to get them over the top. You know. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the hope, I guess, is that the Tigers won't... Yeah, I, I always feel bad for fans of the you know, the Rays and the A's in, in Cleveland, like you said, that they they develop these great players, and then as soon as they get sort of expensive, they, they ship them off. And it's just hard. Like, if there were ever a player to sign to a massive extension and build your team around, it's Francisco Lindor, right? I mean, you've got this shortstop who's hitting 30 home runs and stealing bases and plays elite defense. And Cleveland was just like, nah, I don't think we could afford him. So, you know, it, and it's just, it's got to be disheartening as, as fans. And I guess the hope here is is that the Tigers, if and when they get those sorts of franchise players, they won't be like those teams that I mentioned. They'll be more like teams that go, okay, we can sign this guy to an extension and, and we'll build around him for the next you know, eight, ten years or something like that. That's the hope. It's just we don't know yet. Gotcha. All right, Chris, can you let, can you let us know where they can, people can find your work, where they can find both written and your podcast? Uh, yeah, so I, my writing is at MotorCityBengals.com. It's a, a fan-sided Tigers uh, site. Uh, I just uh, the other day I, I I decided to wedge some baseball into basketball by uh, I took I took a look at all 16 teams in the Sweet 16 and decided who was going to win based on which university produced the best Detroit Tigers players. Um, and that was kind of fun. But uh, you know, doing stuff like that. Uh, and then uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Brown zero nine one four. Any other podcasts are at Tigers SRD. We we're doing we do a couple podcasts a week. Depends on on how many. Sometimes we get uh, you know guests we want to interview and, and kind of do a separate podcast. And we started a Patreon re- recently, but I have nothing to do with that. I don't know how it works. But uh, so yeah, if you feel like listening about Tigers, that's that's where to find it. Tigers SRD. All right, awesome, Chris. Hopefully, we can catch up this season when the Angels and Tigers meet. In the meantime, good luck on the on the year, and and let's let's hope they're better than than we everybody thinks they're going to be. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thanks a lot. Chris seems a bit unsure about the Tigers. I know he sounds at times here. Like the very end, he says he's you know more confident in the direction. I'm not. You know, I just uh, I don't necessarily see the whole vision. Like we talk with Josh Sirocco, his interviews coming up. You could tell the Orioles kind of have a place down. They know exactly what they want, where they're going, what they're doing, what their future is. They, they are sticking by their goals. They've got a plan. I don't get that same feeling here from, from the Tigers, and I'm wondering where they're going to be. Okay, so here's the big, the big interview. This is the one that I would have been looking forward to. Josh Nelson from the Sox Machine. That's right. We're previewing both opening day and the White Sox season. Check it out. All right, folks. I'm getting a little bit of a two, two for here. I'm getting the 
the tour in the league, and the opening day preview because the White Sox are playing the game. So I have Josh Nelson here from the Sox machine. What a, what a really good guest. Last year gave us some real good breakdowns of the White Sox. Always gives us good stuff. And I'm glad to talk some White Sox now. It's looking like they're going to be one of the best teams in the league. That's what, that's what the previews are saying. Do you agree? Well, Derek, thanks for having me on. And I will go ahead and say that this opening series between the Chicago White Sox and the Los Angeles Angels, I think, is a preview of the American League Divisional Series matchup we'll see after the end of 2021. Oh, wow. Uh, well, I can tell you, Angels fans will be glad to hear that no matter which way, which way you have these things seated here. Why do you go that way? Why are you predicting that? Well, I'll start with the Angels being an Angel show. I think this is the season that everything clicks for them. In a sense, when I look at the roster, they're too good to fail. Especially offensively, now that Shohei Otani is back in full force. I mean, you can't... I don't think you can find a better trio of hitters in a lineup in Major League Baseball than Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, and Shohei Otani. You'll be hard-pressed to find anything better. Uh, there are excellent duos uh, throughout the league, uh, but that trio batting in the heart of the lineup, that that's pretty scary. And you still got Justin Upton, uh, who, who can still manufacture as far as runs. So offensively for the Angels, they're very good. Joe Madden, though, I think needs to fix side of things. And when it comes to... Pitching staff for the Angels, there's a lot going on, especially off the field with pitching coach Mickey Calloway. But, but I I think they have more depth at the starting pitching front to be able to survive a 162-game season. And with Houston, I think they'll take a step back. Uh, Oakland, I think they'll take a step I'm not too high on Seattle, and I think Texas is just trying to reload for this uh, upcoming season. So if there was ever a time where if the Angels can just get a little bit of improvement on the pitching side and things click offensively, this is the year where it could all come together and they win the American League West. And then we can stop talking about, man, if only Mike Trout played in the playoffs. Uh, I think that will happen here in 2021 for the Angels. And they are my pick to win the American League West. Oh, wow. Jeez. Now, the White Sox here... It, it, I was surprised. Okay, let's. I was surprised at how well they performed. I remember our, our preview last year, and you know, you were of the mind that they they're on the path, like they were on the way. They just weren't quite there yet, and then they surprised me. So now that you've seen them as a team through a sixty game season, how well they built for a one sixty two game season? You know, that's a good question, and we're here to find out right away because. Aloy Jimenez is going to be out four to five months, uh, which is a huge blow for the White Sox. They don't have another 35-plus, 40-plus home run bat that's coming off the bench. They just don't. And I don't think a lot of teams in Major League Baseball uh, have that type of player as well. It'd be like if Mike Trout was out four to five months, just offensively speaking. Uh, Because Aloy Jimenez is terrible on defense, and it's the reason why he keeps getting hurt. Um, but it'd be like if the Angels didn't have Mike Trout for four to five months. Sure, you have Anthony Rendon and you got Shohei Otani, uh, but you don't have that third key cog offensively. And for the White Sox, yeah, they got Tim Anderson uh, and they got Jose 
scare you, but you know they're missing a big chunk of their offense. And we're going to find out how quickly the White Sox can try to fill the void of Aloy Jimenez not being in the lineup. But in 2021, with the progressions that we have seen, uh, and the I think just the ceiling ability from like Luis Robert. I, I am very high on Luis Robert. And for Angels fans watching this series, because the two teams didn't get a chance to play against each other last year. When you watch Luis Robert, I think he may be the only player in the American League that can challenge Mike Trout for the uh, top ranking in wins above replacement. He has the ability to win the Platinum Glove in center field in 2021. I think he's one of the best outfield defenders in all of Major League Baseball. And he has that really rare, unique combination, Derek, where this guy's a 70-grade runner, so he's got speed, and he's got 60-grade power. Like, we just don't see that type of combination a whole lot in baseball. Now, he's going to strike out a lot because he's still trying to figure out how to hit a professional slider, or at least a major league caliber slider. So we'll see how how he does in the first four games against the Angels. But for Angels fans that have not seen Luis Robert in person uh, or have watched him in any games, you didn't watch the White Sox last year, I think you're in for a treat. He is one of the unique talents in all of Major League Baseball. And I think he is the next superstar in waiting. Now your pitching staff as well is is regarded as as a lot better than it was a couple years ago. Where is it really in your view? I'm hearing great things about the bullpen. I'm hearing good things about the starting lineup, starting the pitching, starting pitching. Where do you think it is right now? I believe the Chicago White Sox have one of the strongest, if not the best, bullpens in all of Major League Baseball. Signing Liam Hendricks to be the closer for any team to add someone like Hendricks, and Angels fans know Hendricks very well, uh, it will give any team a huge boost. But Aaron Bummer is still one of the most effective left-handed relievers in baseball. Evan Marshall was a non-roster invitee that has just stuck around, and he keeps finding ways to to strike out hitters and do his job very well. Cody Hoyer broke out last year. Not a lot of White Sox fans even knew who he was, and all of a sudden he appears and he's throwing 98 with this awesome slider, uh, and he might be a future closer uh, in the waiting And then the White Sox have decided that both Garrett Crochet, their 2021st round pick, and Michael Kopech are going to pitch out of the bullpen this year. So you already had a strong bullpen core, and now you're adding Crochet and Kopech. I mean, it's just more velocity on top of velocity. And I think Crochet has the ability to be the next Josh Hader. I think he could be the White Sox version of Josh Hader, which would really make that bullpen very dangerous and means that the White Sox starting pitching staff doesn't have to go too deep into games. But they are going to be led by Lucas Giolito, who is my pick to win the American League Scion. And looking around a lot of, you know, 2021 predictions, uh, Derek, a lot of people are picking Lucas Giolito to win the Mm -hmm. Scion. So what I thought was a dark horse pick is actually very chalky. But the White Sox traded for Lance Lynn, again, somebody that Angels fans know very well uh, with his time in Texas to try to help solidify the top end of the rotation. Uh, Dallas Keuchel was effective for the White Sox last year. My concern for him is his back, as far as his back spasms. Can he last 30-plus starts? We'll see. And then Dylan Cease and Carlos Hernan. 
Dylan Cease has had to focus on making some mechanical adjustments on his fastball command. And that's something for Angels fans to watch in the fourth game of this series, because he'll start the Sunday night baseball game for the White Sox and to conclude the opening series. If Cease's fastball is in the zone and he's able to throw strikes with it, the Angels could have a long night. If Cease cannot locate his fastball, the Angels can have a big night. That's the, that's the kind of situation they're in right now with Dylan Cease. And Carlos Serdan, man, he had an amazing spring training. But he has the lowest expectations I've ever had for any White Sox pitcher, Derek, because of what happened at the end of 2020 in Cleveland and Oakland. In Game 3 of that postseason series against the Athletics, he didn't get a guy out. And when the White Sox not tendered him, I thought... This is the end. This is how the Carlos Rodon saga ends with the Chicago White Sox. Former number third overall pick by the White Sox. And his era with the White Sox ends with him not getting anyone out in the postseason. But the White Sox waited forever. Rodon was still out there. They gave him $3 million. A new pitching coach, Ethan Katz, told him, you have to use your lower half more. Because if you do not use your legs more, you're just going to continue getting hurt. And Rodon's going through a mechanical adjustment, trying to use his lower half more. And if the results from spring training carry over, that's a huge boost for the Chicago White Sox starting staff. But he's still a question mark there. So when you look at the White Sox starting rotation, there's a lot of confidence in Giolito. There's a lot of confidence in Lance Lynn. There's confidence in Dallas Keuchel as long as his back doesn't bark. And then two question marks with Cease and Rodon. It, the starting rotation is not as strong as the bullpen. But again, if the White Sox have the lead going into the sixth inning and new manager Tony La Russa signals for the White Sox bullpen, that's not going to be a very fun time for opposing teams. Tony La Russa coming back after 35 years. What kind of effect has this had in the roster and why the change now? Like This is a team that made the playoffs last year. Oh boy, you got an hour? <laughs> no, but you can give us the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> oh man, this has been the talk through the offseason. Uh, the too long, short version of it is this was a decision made by Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Chicago White Sox. And Jerry Reinsdorf has said for decades now the worst decision he's ever made as a professional sports owner was allowing Hawk Harrelson to fire Tony La Russa. And at this stage of his life, Jerry Reinsdorf's in his mid-80s. He's not really wanting to fire anyone in the front office. And he, because of that, there's this really strong loyalty. And I just wonder if it's just a fear of wrecking relationships at this stage of his life. But after the 2020 season, general manager Rick Hahn, he wanted a change. He felt it was time to have a manager take it from point A to point B. And he wanted to move on from Rick Renteria because he didn't feel that Renteria was really listening to the White Sox front office on suggestions, especially with lineup construction and pitching use. And they did not like the way that Renteria managed the postseason pitching. I don't believe that Tony La Russa was on Rick Hahn's shortlist when it came to managers. Uh, but 
Jerry Reinstorf suggested Tony La Russa. Uh, Rick Hahn, trying to make his boss happy, reached out. La Russa is actually interested. And suddenly, La Russa is the guy, to the disbelief of everyone within the Chicago White Sox fandom and all the media in Chicago that, oh my gosh, the White Sox have actually done this. And then the reports of his drinking and driving, uh, driving under the influence came out. And that was a whole drama uh, as well. And uh, he still was able to keep his job. The White Sox didn't even actually address that situation days after the report came out, which made that which made them look even worse. But I have to give Tony the Russa credit, Derek. Ever since spring training has begun, the players rave about him. They really enjoyed as far as the structure that they had at spring training, and he he as in Tony the Russa has admitted. He knows what's being said about him, and he knows those are challenges and legit concerns, and he's doing everything in his power to be a 76-year-old manager to relate to the players of today in the clubhouse and reaching out to them and not trying to change them. Instead, embracing on the skill sets that they have and try to put all these puzzle pieces together and have a championship caliber team. That is why La Russa is with the White Sox. And Lucas Giolito has raved about him. Tim Anderson has raved about Tony La Russa. And those were the two key players that everybody was paying attention to on how La Russa would relate to Anderson and Giolito. So, so far, everything's going great. But as you know, and as all baseball fans know, what happens if you're losing? What happens if the White Sox get off to a slow start? Then we'll see on how things are truly going within the White Sox clubhouse. But at this moment, La Russa has said the right things. He's done the right things. I think White Sox fans have moved on as far as some of the offseason drama on the decision that led to La Russa being hired. And I think they're just looking forward to opening day and see on how the White Sox start in 2021. So what's your gut take, though, on, on this? Is it going to work or not? I think managers today in baseball are important in the sense of keeping the ship steady. And I think La Russa can keep the ship steady probably just as well as any manager in baseball. Am I expecting him to unlock some hidden potential in half of the roster and they reach a level of performance that nobody ever expected them to hit? No, I don't. Uh, I, I expect the White Sox, my prediction is that the White Sox will finish 90 and 72 and they'll win the American League Central. And I know that right now with the situation of not having Aloy Jimenez, that would, that would be a gut punch for many managers across the league. And they wouldn't know how to prepare for that uh, or be able to overcome that. But La Russa has managed for so long. This is kind of where it's beneficial having hired somebody like Toro La Russa. That he's been through this situation before. He knows the way that you can circumvent around losing a star player like that and try to keep in mind that this is a marathon. You got 162 games to go through. You can't just wear out everybody in the month of April to try to get off to a fast start because you get burned out in May. And then all of a sudden you're below 500. The front office doesn't believe you could win and we're done in July. 
So I, I, I'm really interested to see on how he'll manage everything. But like I just mentioned, I think the White Sox are going to win the American League Central and Larusa will keep the ship steady. So steady ship, solid lineup, great bullpen, good starting pitching with a couple question marks that could go really well or really bad. Where's that put you in the American League Central? Well, I think they're going to win the American League Central. I like this White Sox roster even without Aloy Jimenez over the Minnesota Twins because Twins fans will get up in arms about this, and it, I think it's just natural as far as the rivalry between the two fan bases and even media. But Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano are no strangers to the injured list. And while everybody is knocking on the White Sox for their lack of depth, I'm not seeing a lot of depth right now on the twin side either. So if Buxton misses a month or two because he pulled his hamstring again, uh, what are the twins going to do? As far as the starting pitching staff, I think it could be fairly solid. I don't know. I don't know what to make as far as their bullpen. Uh, Alex Colome has suddenly decided that he's going to strike out hitters, which was something he wasn't doing with the White Sox. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, but I think the injuries are going to be so critical, more critical than ever in this upcoming season, Derek. I, I think I really feel like it's going to be the healthiest teams are going to be the last one standing. Maybe not the most talented teams, but the teams that could stay healthy the longest are going to be the ones that get into the postseason. And even though they lost to Loy Jimenez, I, I think the White Sox can stay healthier longer than the Twins, and I have the White Sox winning 90 games in the American League Central. You see, you hit a key point, and that's something we've been talking about over here. It's actually something we talked about during the NFL season for our NFL show. The, the thing with the injuries is when you've been kind of away from everything as much as you were, and in Major Baseball even more, from 60 games to 162, to be expected to pick it back up after kind of a heh season. I'm seeing in just my baseball crystal ball. It's not going to be your typical cast of characters here. I, that's why I actually believe, like, that in terms of talent, it's you usually know, like, your, your top, you know, your, your top 12, top 14 teams are, are going to be in it, you know, maybe top 16 teams. I think in terms of talent, you could be into the mid-20s in terms of being in it this year if that team just stays healthy. Like you just said it perfectly. You might not be the most talented team, but in the end, you might be the most healthy team. That's what hurts the Angels, in my view. The Angels just have not going to stay healthy for years. And I have no reason at all to believe that something's going to start now. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at things going, hey, pessimism for the Angels. Yay. But... The reality is, I think you're right. That's why I'm not sold on the Yankees. They had a bunch of injuries last year, the year before, and now they're two years older in a lot of places and still got, they're the favorite of the American League East. I, I see a young Blue Jays team that's come up on them, and the, and the Rays are always in it. I look at the White Sox and think, you know what, like you mentioned it. You got a guy out for four to five months who's a big part of your offense, but... It's still a pretty young team that can stay pretty healthy. They have a good shot. The Twins, you you got it. They, well, they can't win the playoffs anyways. Like, I don't I, I don't remember the last time they won a playoff game. Was it two thousand four? Is it two thousand four? Man, I was. Th- you was the Oh, geez, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking even further back. That, oh, he was against the Angels. No, no, that was two thousand two. 
was 2002. So I'm just thinking, beyond that, the Indians are talent-drained, but they can pitch. Can they stay healthy? Can the pitching stay healthy there? The rest of that division isn't ready yet. AL West, toss-up, who stays healthiest? There you go. You're, you, that's, that's the AL alone. Put it all together. Top 25 teams, I think, compete into September. It's going to be crazy, crazy fast. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned as far as the American League. I think this is a very dominant conversation that will be happening within the American League. I think it's a different conversation when you talk about the National League because the Dodgers and the Padres and the Mets and the Braves, there is mm-hmm. serious deep teams that they got going on over there in the National League where they can, they can take on an injury. Uh, I mean, just look at the San Diego Padres as far as the starting rotation. It's very deep because of all the trades that they made uh, in this past offseason. But you really don't have teams that deep in the American League. You just don't. So I think injuries and the teams I could say the healthiest, the longest in the American League is going to go a long way. And you mentioned as far as the Yankees. I have the Yankees as my pick to win the American League pennant. But I'm not exactly really confident with that pick. And you're right. Maybe the Rays or the Blue Jays could win uh, as far as the American League East. If Oakland can continue to conjure their devil magic and <laughs> find a way to stay healthy again, maybe they can, you know, repeat and win the American League West. And, you know, don't sleep on the Kansas City Royals. That's going to be a feisty team. And they're also a young team. And if they can stay healthy and if they start buying into what they're doing and, if they can get off to a good start after the first couple of months of the season and they believe that they can compete, they can be a pain in the neck for Chicago and Minnesota and the American League Central. So you, I, I agree with you, Derek. I think that's the biggest storyline and will be the biggest deciding factor in the American League and who wins the pennant is which team can stay healthy, healthier the longest. Uh, because I, I really, the more we talk about this, I feel like I should change my season predictions, but I won't. We may see a situation that a team wins the American League pennant, and they're not the most talented team, but they were the healthiest team. Well, I only flip it around, too. You might see a team that stayed healthy all year get to the playoffs, but they physically fall apart at the end, and the team that struggled its way through but got there gets healthy at the right time and finishes the job. And by the we way, saw that with Houston, right? Yeah. Houston scared Tampa in the American League Championship Series, even though they finished twenty nine and thirty one. That's a really good point. Well, I'm looking also at the. Um, it, you, I know you just talked National League. But watch the Dodgers, because while they have a lot of young farm pieces that are still a very good farm system over there in Los Angeles, the they have a lot of core veterans who at any point, I believe, can, can really break down. And this is the kind of year that could happen. Coming off a 60-game season where everybody's body's been thrown for a loop, watch the Dodgers. They could come around and dominate again, and they could break down just as easily. No, no one's really talking about that possibility, but they have. Just look at the roster, look at the age groups there, and they are a prime target for injuries. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not trying to curse our cross-town rivals, but watch the Dodgers. If there's a fluke in there, it could be them. So I'll point that out. Well, I have the San Diego Padres winning the National League West in 2021, so I am with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I do think the Padres win it. And it's not that I'm, you know, trying to hand the Dodgers on. I just think 
you've won a title now, there's always a little bit of comeback to a pack in almost every case when you win a title. doesn't mean you don't come back the next year and do it, but it's usually hard the second time around. And the injuries will catch up to at some point. They will. I, I, this, I don't feel that way about many other teams in the league, but I do feel pretty strong about the Dodgers. Watch the Dodgers, see what happens with them. They could, I mean, they could go back through and dominate everything again. They could be a 1998 Yankees all over again, 98-99. But I, I just am not married to the Dodgers in the, in the National League for that, for that very reason. And the Padres got good quick. They got good quick. That's going to be a fun team to watch this year. They are, and I hope so because – they're the reason why I bought the MOB.TV package. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, in the National League, I, man, you have some really strong teams. Uh, and we haven't even talked about the Braves or the Mets. Yeah. And I think the Nationals can be sneaky good this year. I think Juan Soto is set up to have a monster season in 2021. I'm just excited that we have a 162-game season to talk about, Derek, and that it starts yeah. tomorrow. And, you know... Enjoy it, fans, because I don't know what's going to happen this upcoming offseason when the CBA expires on December 1st. It could be a long, cold winter of nothingness uh, after this upcoming season. So they would I be absolutely idiots. They, they would be absolute idiots to not get this well, straight. It'd be, But that's what they are a lot of times when it comes to negotiations. Yeah, I, neither side wants to work with the other. So we'll... We'll see what happens, but that's why I'm in the mindset of try to enjoy this baseball fans as far as every single day and enjoy the game and re-embrace the marathon because after the very fast sprint we had last year, uh, it's going to feel much different in 2021. Fans will panic and a team will lose three straight games and you have people slamming on the table. What is going on? The world is ending. Uh, we just have to remember, oh, yeah, there's like 100 more games left to go this season. we got a long way to go. Uh, but enjoy it, and uh, it should be a very fun season, both for White Sox and Angels fans in 2021. Well, before you go, let's go ahead and go for it. What's your prediction for this series? How's it go? I think the White Sox are actually going to win three out of four. Three out of four? Yes. All right. I'm going for a split. That's how... That's my story. I'm sticking to it. I think that is a real possibility. We'll see how that Sunday night game goes. I think the White Sox will be up two games. It'll be two games to one going into game four. Maybe I'm a little bullish on Dylan Cease here, and I think he'll perform under the lights uh, and in front of the ESPN cameras, but we shall see. Again, he is a question mark coming into the season for the White Sox, but it's going to be a very entertaining series. I think it'll be a very competitive series. I love watching Mike Trout play, so I think this is a great opportunity for the White Sox to get started this year. And like I mentioned, I think this is a playoff preview between the White Sox and Angels to kick off 2021. I will definitely take that. And by the way, I think the last time I saw Dylan Seeds play the Angels, um, he that's actually before a you and I did a preview for a series, and it didn't go well for the Angels. <laughs> yeah, we'll just see. remember Again, that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right, well, everybody, uh, Josh Nelson over the Sox Machine. Can you let people know where they can find your work? Yeah, you can find us at SoxMachine.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at Sox Machine, and you can follow me on Twitter 
at Sox Machine underscore Josh. All right. Thanks a lot, Josh, and we'll talk again soon. I don't know about you, but I am getting more excited about things. I've been really pessimistic about where the Angels are, but the more I talk with people from across the league, their perception is different. They're seeing a lot of good of this Angels team, and it's forcing me to relook at things that I've been uh, iffy on. Maybe, just maybe, I'm wrong. You know, Josh's point of view on the Angels kind of matches up with Jared's, that this team is going to be better than we think they are. They have... You know, some really neat, neat uh, players here that are at least interesting. And you got a really strong lineup if everything's going well. So, I'm looking for tomorrow night. I know you are. We all are. It's 2021. So, stick with us this weekend. We cannot wait to get in on opening night, get on opening weekend. And of Sunday night baseball is going to be big as well. Stick with us. We're hoping 2021 is the best season for the Angels in a long time. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter, please, at Talking Halos. And you can also follow me on Twitter at DC Apollo. And always, as always, we'll see you next time. Take care. We're out of here. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.